Welcome to the first episode of the Binge Alert podcast, the show where I talk about things I love, things I hate, and everything in between when binging on anime, books, movies, and TV shows. First and foremost, this is not a review show. I'm just giving my opinions. Please do not come for me. I beg. Thank you. So for today's episode, the category is Binge's Opinion, where I'm going to be watching the 2020 Netflix original, Fatal Affair. Now, I briefly watched this movie before, but I wasn't really paying too much attention to it. So I have a general idea of the premise of the movie, but I couldn't tell you verbatim what happened. So here's how this will go. Every time I decide to watch or read something for the show, I'll try to stay away from any spoilers so I can give my honest reaction and opinion. To start off, I'll read out the synopsis I get from Google which I'll do with everything that I watch or read, just to get a feel of what I'm to expect. Then I'll give my initial opinion based on the synopsis alone. After I've watched or read the media, I will then give my verdict based on my rating system. In this instance, as I mentioned, I've seen some of Fatal Affair before, so I've already made some opinions on it, but I'm gonna read out the synopsis anyway. Okay, so the synopsis I got from Google was A woman tries to mend her marriage after a brief encounter with an old friend. She soon realises her ex-lover is more dangerous and unstable than she thought. So, I didn't have a first impression when I first read about Fatal Affair. I just thought this is a type of movie that's been done many times before with slight variations and different actors. But hey, They might do something different with this one, so I'm going to give it a shot. And I'll catch you in a sec. Many hours later. What do you mean? You think I'm going to take a rest? You think I'm going to take a quick pause so I can breathe? I can breathe when I'm on the other side of the beach. So many things made no sense in this movie, which made it so frustrating. And I got more frustrated when I realized I had to rewatch it for the show because I couldn't remember anything about it right after watching it. On top of that, it was so boring. I mean, I had to stop myself from skipping scenes. Like the movie felt like it was dragging. And it was only, what, an hour and 30 minutes long? Including credits. Like, how can you do that? How can you be both so frustrating and boring at the same time? Like, that is a skill. And I personally feel like they could have cut scenes. Like, there were so many fillers that just didn't need to exist. And I actually went through the movie again to see what they could have removed. And I literally reduced the movie by, like, 30, 40 minutes. But I guess, you know, they wouldn't have been able to sell it as a movie, would they? Uh, How long does a movie need to be to classify as a featured film. Wait, hold on. Let me check. Okay, according to Academy Film Institute and the British Film Institute, uh, a feature film runs for 40 minutes or so? Or more. Yeah, 40 minutes or more. So, you know, they could have just accepted this movie for what it was, a get-rich-quick scheme. And gone about their business with 40 minutes of runtime. I, I, I don't see what the problem is. 
And another thing, the synopsis I read was so misleading that they said her ex-lover and mending her marriage. Now first off, there was nothing to mend in the first place. Don't lie to us. And secondly, the definition of a lover is a partner in a sexual or romantic relationship outside of marriage. Right, this so-called affair lasted all but 10 minutes. And that's not even movie minutes, that's actual minutes. It's things like this that made this movie unbearable. Because, okay, if there's a few inconsistencies here and there, you can swallow it, you know? Like minors, oh, that doesn't make sense, moments. You can let it slide, but no. The movie decided to give you no common sense from the jump. And still, it wants us to take it seriously with the nonsensical main plots leading up to the dry toast of anticlimactic endings. But I'm supposed to have enjoyed this. So what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna give a rundown of things that annoyed me as an audience. But before I continue, I just wanna give a quick spoiler I will be talking about some of the plot points, so please don't be upset if you haven't watched it and I give too much away, but you have been warned. So we're introduced to Ellie, who's played by Nia Long, who's a successful lawyer. We're led to believe that Ellie has the perfect life, perfect marriage, perfect new home, perfect career, and that just isn't enough for her greedy self. She needs more. Then, Ellie ends up reuniting with an old college friend named David after 20 years, played by Omar Epps. Then fast forward 24 hours of them meeting, uh, Ellie decides to invite David out for drinks with one of her lawyer friends from a different firm, only for the friend to cancel last minute, so it just ends up being just the two of them. Now, at this point, I would have left. Like, there's no way in hell you'll catch me having drinks with someone I haven't seen in 20 years alone without having done at least a background check on him. At minimum. At minimum. I mean, that's just me. Maybe I've been watching too much Law and Order or read too many mystery thriller books, but you're not about to find me putting myself in a position with some man that I haven't seen in two decades. They are literally a stranger to you. And guess what? I was right to think this way in this situation because he turned out to be a psycho killer stalker. So I'm not wrong to be paranoid, okay? And besides, she wasn't here for him. She came to have drinks with her girl. She didn't come to have drinks with him. She was polite enough to invite you, which I don't understand, by the way. If you're going to go have drinks with your friend, you're not just gonna invite practically a random stranger to come with you, with your friend, without at least letting your friend know. What made the situation worse was, you have a ring, a whole ring on your finger, and you're just blatantly flirting with this guy. You're still trying to invite him to sit in the private booth where you guys can catch up and reminisce about the good old days and ask each other why you guys didn't end up dating and talk about whatever it is you wanna talk about. Girl, you know you can do that over the phone, right? You could do that during the day. That you guys work together. You can do it while you're out there going to get a cup of coffee or something. 
Like, you don't need to be going to some next bar, secluding yourself from the crowd, into a nice little cosy area that you probably would be with your man, your husband, in fact, who just so happens to have been in an accident, by the way, let's clarify that, because that's something that they bring up constantly, that man's been in an accident and you're out here being a ho-ho. What? And some people might be like, oh, you know, I feel sorry for her, you know, because since the husband's been in the accident, maybe they haven't been feeling the fire. You know, she's been feeling isolated, excluded from her relationship and all of that jazz. And she just wants to feel appreciated and all of that nonsense. But they didn't even show that. Like, the, the movie did not even show that. They did not show that in this movie. So how am I supposed to feel any kind of sympathy for this home-wrecking hoe if I don't even see that her home marriage is in shambles? Because what I've seen so far, before she ended up basically on a date with this guy, is that she was in a decent relationship. She was in a decent marriage. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that indicated that she wasn't, okay? Nothing. And yet, you want me to feel like, oh, oh yeah, go girl, go have this drink with this man. Or have any kind of sympathy for her when we find out that David is a crazy mofo. And then, they end up in a club. A, a club. Why are you going to end up in a club with someone you just met? I don't care. Look, I'm telling you this now. If I meet someone I went to school with that I haven't seen in 20 years, even 10 years, I'm not about to go have drinks with them, go to the club with them, literally after having, what, two, three minute conversations with them in two days. Nah. Look, there's a reason why she needed to invite him for drinks with her girl and or another person for there to be present, okay? Just so they could be, you know, an extra person there. A buffer. You know, a buffer. You know when girls at a club make sure they have at least one of their girls with them when they're talking to a guy to have an exit plan, just in case, just in case. Yeah, that friend was it, okay? She was the exit plan. So as soon as you lose that friend, you go too, okay? You are a married woman with a whole husband at home who thinks you're out with your friend. That reminds me, I didn't even mention the fact that she lied to her husband. Her husband had messaged her asking, oh, are you having a good time? You know, are you enjoying drinks with your girl? And this woman didn't even have the decency to correct him. A simple, simple... I'm having drinks with an old college mate, David, would have suffice if you are insisting on staying at the bar. Instead, she wants to be making these sketchy movements to be about that cheating life and decides to text her husband, oh yeah, I'm having a good time with my girl. Moving on to the conversation they were having, yeah, I just wanted to slap this woman in the face. Like, how are you telling this guy who is obviously flirting with you, you are not happy in your marriage, okay? That is giving him the green light. You are giving him the opportunity to say, if you were with me, you would never be unhappy. And like a waste man, she gets sucked in. 
and you're giving him an open door. Of course he's going to walk through it. That's what he was looking for. And you're allowing him to sneak his sneaky little self into your life. And you're enjoying it. Anywho, they go to the dance floor. Things get a little hot and heavy. And eventually, it ends up with David following Ellie to the ladies' toilets. And they're nearly about to have sex on the sink of a public toilet. And then I don't know what brought Ellie back to reality. Maybe she remembered the vows she took and the ring on her finger. But she finally stopped David before it could go too far, quote unquote. Side note, it went too far when you lied to your husband, okay? But then she says, I made a mistake and then left David hanging in the toilets. So right after almost but still actually cheating, there's like a montage of her living her best life with her husband and daughter who comes home from college. And I'm like, what was the issue then? What was... I don't understand why you were leading David on. At this point, I have no sympathy for you for anything that happens after. Because you should have dead it the moment you found out your friend wasn't turning up. Now you're showing me that you're having your good, good life. Everything is cook and curry in your relationship. Your daughter is progressing well in, in college. What is it? Fast forward to Ellie's friend and the one who was supposed to meet her for drinks in the beginning of the movie. Um, she invites a guest over to Ellie's place for dinner. Who just so happens to turn out to be none other than David. Who pretends he's never met Ellie in his life. And I'm like, this is the type of nonsense you wanted to bring into your marriage. Now, this is where telling your husband the truth comes to play. You have officially put your family and friends in danger. Because now, he can worm his way into your life through them. Which he succeeds in doing. If you had at least, at least told your friend about this stalker man, she wouldn't have ended up dating him. To top it off, she went along with the charade of them never meeting and then pretended everything is okay. Everything is not okay, my friend. Are you dumb? Who are you protecting at this point? Yourself? The ones you love? Obviously not. Because now you've let your stalker come into your personal space. So that leaves who? David. Why are you protecting him? Tell him to get out before you call the police. At this point, I don't care if I get caught by my husband. I'm not about to let a guy who's been harassing me be invited to my home for dinner, eating my food that I worked all day to cook to make me feel uncomfortable in my own home. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't be in this position, okay? Like I said, I would have left that night after my friend bailed but still, get him out. Then, we later find out that David's ex-wife and her boyfriend were killed in what seemed to have been a home invasion or something that occurred in the beginning scene of the movie. And David was the initial suspect, but they dropped it for some reason. And they didn't even bother to tell us why. And I fast forward to David making more stalker movements by getting access to the security camera footage of the club and then sending her a copy, threatening to tell her husband. So she picks up one of his many, many calls and asks him to give her a reason why she shouldn't call the police 
and get a restraining order. Why are you asking him? Do it. Do it. I'm surprised she didn't file after he popped up at our house for dinner. Hell, even when she found out that he was a suspect to his ex-wife's murder. Does this woman have no self-preservation? Is she on crack? Because I can see no other reason as to why she hasn't called the police to get herself and her family protected in some kind of way. I mean, to be fair, a restraining order isn't going to help you at this point because he is all the way crazy. You think he cares about the law after getting away with double homicide. But still, call the police. So fast forward to Ellie deciding to find some evidence of how crazy David really is by breaking into his apartment. Well, she didn't actually break in. The receptionist at David's complex gives Ellie the key to his apartment after Ellie says that she spent the night there and forgot some of her things. You are getting fired. I'm not amused. You can't just be giving out keys to people's apartments. You know what? Don't even let my mum inside my apartment if she says she doesn't have a key. Because that's probably not my mother. The only people who need access to my home already have a key, I can assure you. Fast forward to David heading over to the friend's house. She looks through his phone and finds recent photos of Ellie. She confronts him about it and then tries to leave her own apartment. And he slams her to the ground before fleeing. Like, slams her into unconsciousness before fleeing. Why didn't he kill her? I mean, not to say that it should be his first instinct to kill anyone when he doesn't get his way, but I would think that this is the perfect time to do so, right? Because now there's a witness to your craziness and you have left them alive. So Ellie finally tells her husband about David after the police get involved and they have such a poorly acted argument. I mean, my siblings and I show more passion when we're arguing about who ate the last donut. My guy, you just found out your wife not only almost cheated on you, but made you look like a waste man by allowing you to build a friendship with this psycho. What? Fast forward to David killing himself, or rather making it seem like he killed himself by burning a homeless man with David's clothes on and left a note besides the body and a message that he left at his therapist. Yeah, he has a therapist. Yeah, he left the message at his on his therapist's voicemail, like taking responsibility for everything that's happened, including the murder of his ex-wife. Okay, but why? Why did he confess? What was the point? I mean, granted, okay, for the good of the family and friends, yeah, we're glad he confessed, but what does that do for him? He, he got away with it. And we know he's not dead because we still have another 15 minutes of the movie left. So when you do get caught, they have your confession. Ah! And I'm supposed to believe that he's a mastermind who hacks and gets away with homicide. But he's making stupid movements like this. Ugh. Oh my god. So then the detective of the case 
states that they could wait to verify the body using dental samples or whatever but like they say something along the lines of um it could take a while to reconstruct but the handwriting and the clothes are david's so we're gonna assume it's david's body so you're safe now this isn't the resolution that you wanted but you can move on with your life i'm sorry but i'm gonna need more than a written letter and a voicemail to convince me mate I'm not about to move on with the rest of my life, not fully knowing if my killer stalker is still out there in these streets or not. Okay, that's not gonna happen. Reconstruct them dentals and have a police car outside my house at all times, like for real. Nonsense. And then fast forward to Ellie receiving a text from her secretary asking her to come to the office during Thanksgiving um, holidays to sign some papers or whatever. To which Ellie goes, goes to the office on her own late at night and then finds the dead body of her secretary and then gets a call from her secretary's phone with David saying, you left them alone before hanging up. And then she gets home and David's alone in the house and we don't know what's happened to the people. And then we also find out that the daughter's boyfriend who had such little relevance to the plot that I actually forgot to mention him. I actually forgot to mention him earlier. Like he could have been cut from the movie and I would have been none the wiser. But anyway, he dies. Then Ellie smashes David with a vase after trying to stab him, but she doesn't kill him, even though she had the opportunity to. Now, at this point, I'm either killing you or I'm tying you up so I know you will stay in the position that I left you in while I go find my family. Cause you're not about to pop up on me in my own house, okay? And so she goes and finds a family who are still alive why i do not know so you're telling me you killed your ex-wife and her boyfriend a homeless man a secretary a random boy that's five five bodies a random boy that no one cared about then try to allegedly i say allegedly kill the husband on a different occasion but this time you can't kill the husband and child that you believe is keeping you from your one true love. The person you are obsessed with. So why did the secretary have to die, but not the friend? Why did the boyfriend of the daughter have to die, but not the husband? Who are you trying to kid? Who are you trying to fool, movie? At this point, I know they are setting them all up for a happy ending. Like killing people we don't care about who don't bring anything to the movie other than being bodies for David to kill to emphasize how dangerous and crazy he is. People that the main characters don't even have a long life attachment to. So we know everyone else is surviving. Anyhow, the family run to the front door and find that David's body is missing, of course, because she didn't tie him up. And the husband, right? The husband puts the daughter in, in a car to escape, yeah? rather than getting all of them to jump in the car to get away. And then a cop car comes with only one officer, with no backup, and then he's killed off before he can even do anything. At this point, the only reason he was here was to give David a gun as a weapon and to add another body to his collection. So that's six, but you still can't kill the husband and the daughter. And then Ellie stabs David, and then she and the husband run up the cliff because reasons like i i literally 
don't care for their idiotic actions anymore. What are you going to find up a cliff that will help you escape a psycho killer better than the car with petrol? I'll wait. Nothing. That's what. So David corners them while he's bleeding out from his guts. Because remember, he got stabbed, but apparently was able to catch up with healthy adults climbing up a hill. The husband rolls around the ground with him and then David ends up somehow hanging off a cliff, probably tripped over a pebble. And then Ellie tries to save him after she literally just stabbed him in the gut. Why are you trying to save someone who threatened your family? And you already stabbed him. So technically he should already be dead. Okay. Bleeding out. But you had no problem with that, right? Like stabbing him is a minor, but allowing him to fall off a cliff is a problem for you. Anyway, he falls and dies. Then two months have passed and they are not in therapy. They are acting like they just went on a bad family vacation in the countryside and they're heading back to the city to resume life. The daughter's all smiling about going to college, like she didn't just brutally lose her boyfriend. And that's how they end it. I guess I can say the slight variation on to the stalker movie genre was that Ellie stopped before they had sex. But am I supposed to congratulate her? Okay, yeah, she didn't have sex, but she continued with the shenanigans that led up to the nonsense that is this movie. So no, I'm still not rooting for her. In fact, I'm not rooting for anyone. They all could have died and I would feel no different. That's how much I didn't care about any of the characters. I mean, actually, maybe if they had all died, it would have been more interesting than the dry, no salt, no pepper seasoning of an ending that they gave me. So verdict for Fatal Affair, I'm giving this a solid background noise rating. If I was to never watch this movie ever again, I would not lose any sleep over it. It's not even bad in an entertaining way like some movies can, can be. This was just bad. And the acting alone, the acting alone was painful to watch. Like these actors are vets in the game. They, they are actually really talented, but you wouldn't know that if this was the first movie you watched them in. They looked like they didn't want to be there. Like they were just reading lines to basically get a check. And to be honest, movies can be so bad that they make good actors look like they don't know how to act. So maybe that's this scenario. It was so bad that they look bad. So to me, this is the type of movie that you would put on when you need to complete important tasks like vacuuming. Or better yet, don't watch it at all. With all the frustration it produced inside me, it was still pretty much a bland movie. Like, I, I don't know what else I can say about this movie other than it was just bland because it was forgettable and that's all for today thanks for listening guys hope you enjoyed the show let me know if what you think of fatal fair if you have watched it or let me know if you're going to watch it for yourself 
I wouldn't advise it, but you do you. Also, if you have any requests or suggestions on anything you want me to watch or read, please be sure to hit me up. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Binge Pod, and I'll catch you in a sec.